Hello and welcome to another edition of The Tigers Down Under. I'm your host as always, Alex, and with me today I have Dan. How are you, Dan? I'm good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everyone listening in. Uh, we have been away since we had our 100th episode, which was a bit of a uh, celebration of the podcast. We have been away since then because it's been the festive period and it always gets a bit tricky to, to record an episode. So we're back, you know, ringing in the new year with an episode of The Tigers Down Under. We're going to recap the games that we've had over the festive period and then look ahead to two pretty big games uh, coming up uh, tomorrow morning and also this weekend. So... Um, I guess the first of the five, we had the disappointing defeat to Leeds where, you know, we looked promising at different points in the game, but then unfortunately I think it was a device own goal that put us behind and then after an Eves goal was cleared off the line, or a chance was cleared off the line, they went up down the other end and, um, you know, arguably shouldn't have scored a second goal, Bamford taking out long in the process. Um, but, you know, promising signs in that game. I think Bielsa came out afterwards and said, look, you know, it's a... It's a, a strong side that we faced and, and gave us a lot of credit, as managers tend to do, but um, a disappointing result in that one. Uh, and then, and then I guess, another disappointing result a few days later against Charleston on the Saturday morning. Um, I think we went behind... Uh, were we 2-0 down in that one or 2-1 down in that one? And then Lewis Potter scored the equaliser right at the end, although I think officially it's an own goal. Um, but looking at those two games, first of all, I guess sort of the disappointing start to the festive period... Um, what did you make of those games and what positives could you take out of them? Um, look, as I, I was just thinking about that, and I think I, from in that last episode we did, I think we had sort of targeted like, you know, like four points, four points yeah. something from, from those two games. And to get one is probably disappointing. But um, also I think like, after having not picked up points at Leeds um, and, and playing so well and not picking up points, it's always um, it's always challenging. And so then to go behind at Charlton in a game you, they're expected to win, it could easily have um, turned into no, in no points. They really did work hard to um, to get back, get themselves back in the game, um, and you know, and they kept at it for to the very last moment. Um, with um, yeah, Keenan's Potter probably deserved to get the credit for that goal. It was um, it was a good uh, good leap and a good and a good header. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. I think there are there are positives you can we can take out of those games, um, and just in the in the you know the attitude that we have taken uh, to have taken towards games and that we still take towards almost every game we 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 do tend to play most games as if we can win, um, and we are playing for the whole ninety. Um, unlike what we saw at the beginning of the season, we're saying oh we can we play really well for sixty and then we tire out. We are That's actually reverse, yeah. yeah we can we can play the full ninety now. It's just. Uh, we're just a little bit inconsistent, I guess. Um, just a little bit inconsistent at the moment, but with so many games, like they're coming thick and fast, it's it would be hard to. Um, and there haven't been too many changes um, or like rotations through the sides, really. Just one or two um, through the centre of midfield for the most part, um, and occasionally he's dropped um, Bowler into that front three to start. But but it's been a fairly consistent. Um, Starting lineup for most of the for those five games, I think. So, it would have been hard for a lot of those boys that would have covered a lot of minutes and a lot of yards. So, um, I think overall we've done pretty well, really. Yeah, and um, and it was, it was funny. I think watching that Charlton game, the commentator mentioned a couple of times that Charlton had conceded these late goals so often and they'd gone so long without a win um, that you kind of had in the back of your mind, surely you know we're, we're going to snatch something right at the end here. And we had that late free kick. 
uh, that came in. I think it then bounced out of the area, and uh, I think it was Grzycki whipped the free kick, uh, the, the the cross back into the box for Lewis Potter. Uh, and sure enough, we were able to get the equaliser. But I mean, as you say, I mean, we're sort of looking at hopefully four points, three points from that two those two games, and um, I guess to only come away with one point's not fantastic. But the way that we could fight back against Charlton, the way we've managed to fight back in those games where we haven't been playing well was really positive to see and and in fact you know the next game we came out against Birmingham and won 3-0 which was great and and I think personally from from watching that game I think one of the biggest positives in a way is as weird as it is to say the fact that Bowen didn't score was actually a really good thing because um, there's been so many games lately where he's been our main focal point and our main threat and I think it was against uh, Stoke, where Klukas said that if you shut down Bowen, that's pretty much all of our attacking potential. And I think he did score the two goals in that game, which kind of proved Klukas right. But to have Eves... Uh, who were the three scorers in that one? It was Eves... Uh, I'm going to look uh, that up. Did KLP get another one? That one? Yeah. And then... Um, who was the oh, it? was Eves, Grzycki and Lewis Potter, of course. Lewis Potter scoring his first home oh, goal, okay. which was a fantastic finish right at yep. the end. Um, it, it was great to see uh, much more attacking potential from the side and, and sharing that load around because that makes us so much more unpredictable going into games if, if sides can't just focus on closing down Bowen to to, uh, to shut us down. Um, it was then unfortunately followed up with a pretty dour defeat to Forrest, probably one of our worst performances of the season, I'd say. And it's always unfortunate, I guess, when you concede a penalty pretty early because that can shape the game so significantly. But... Um, it was just one of those games where watching it from the start, we just didn't look on at any point, really. Um, I think Irvine had a really good chance in the first few <coughs> minutes, which he fluffed, um, but that was really our biggest chance in those early stages, I would say. Um, and then, of course, it was really funny that Irvine, kind of with a similar sort of shot a few days later or a few days ago, um, got the winner against QPR on, on his 100th appearance for the club. So those three games, sort of a mixture, uh, the great convincing 3-0 win over Birmingham, the last-minute winner against QPR, and then a pretty disappointing defeat to Forrest in between. What did you make of those three? Um, yeah, I think um, it's it makes this a bit of a difficult form line to read. Um, but I think, like, obviously, if we'd got the, the points against Forrest, it would have been better. But I think when you take it into context and we are sitting three points off the top six at the moment we've got um, Sheffield Wednesday coming up who are currently occupying sixth Um, we're not really in a bad position Um, I think that the game against Birmingham was um, a demonstration of what we can do when we're on our on our day you know when we have a really good game we play really well, well we'll put you know we can put several goals past past the opposition uh forest was almost the exact opposite and we showed what we do when we're not on our game um yeah. and when we're really poor and and we don't tend to offer a lot and we don't create a lot of chances um and we just invite the opposition to to attack us um and then you know funnily enough qpr was a bit of a mixture one of those games where we didn't play great but we grafted really well um you know and and overcame that um uh, going behind to 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 claw back. Um, it was nice to see Honeyman get his first goal yeah. um, for City. Um, <laughs> Interesting celebration, but <laughs> yeah, um, we, we seem to have uh, a habit against QPR scoring those sorts of funny little deflected goals because I think there was Diamande a few seasons ago got a similar winner against QPR, which was a weird little deflected goal in off the keeper. So uh, we're sort of making a habit of that. 
Yeah, I think. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'll take any goal. I don't really <laughs> yeah. necessarily care how it comes. It's just I think it's good to see um, now. You know, you've in our midfield, um, Irvine's scored, Honeyman scored. Has I think Batty scored one yes, earlier in yes. the year. Um, I, th- I think he scored the first goal of the season, didn't he, against Swansea? Um, oh yeah, he may well have. Um, but you know, like most of that mid, anyone who's going into that midfield three is 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 contributing, um, not super consistently, but all of, pretty much everyone in there has at least has scored one or two go- a goal um, at least, which is nice. Um, as you sort of mentioned before, with uh, the game against Birmingham, with um, when Bowen not scored, it being positive that the other players are stepping up, and I think it's good that. Also, when your midfield can can chime in occasionally to take that extra bit of pressure off the um, your, off our forwards, because we've got a very fluid forward, and there's a lot of pressure on on whoever happens to be the one that's in the middle at the time the ball gets up there. So, um, I think we um, I think we should take we should be looking fairly positively at those those three games in particular uh, because they've built us uh, they've put us in a really good position. Could have been stronger, but. Um, I mean that's the story of the season, really. If we if we if we'd won that game or we'd won that game, then we we'd be here. But you know, at the end of the day, we're not. And um, but we are in a very strong position leading into um, the back half of the season. And look, I think that's really the story of the division. I think it was only a couple of games ago against Forest. It might have been where there was only two sides in the top twelve actually got the three points. I think it was Forest and Brentford were the only two. Everyone else dropped points. I think Leeds, West Brom, Fulham all drew games. You know, Bristol, Swansea and us lost, So and, and Chef Wednesday as well. So it, it really is the story of the division that you know any number of sides could look at their form and say, oh, look, if we'd won that game, if we'd held on here or there, or you know uh, knocked in a late winner there, we'd be <coughs> up in first. You know, But the way the division is, everyone sort of uh, has their patchy form. And I think I said a few weeks ago, I mean, the division is basically whoever can play their best football the most consistently will go up. Um, there's maybe 10 sides who all at their best are a promotion candidate, but it's about playing consistently well uh, in the division for, for as long as you can to, to actually put that form together. And it's funny, I think for the last couple of weeks, we've just been bouncing around between about 10th and 14th, I guess, just sort of never really losing touch with the playoff places, but never... Never actually getting into the playoff places, which actually, you know, looking ahead to this Sheffield Wednesday game, you know, it, it poses the real possibility that if sides around us also drop points, um, we could leapfrog Sheffield Wednesday into that top six, um, perhaps a week or two early for really making a push for the top six, but um, it's always a possibility. Um, I guess I guess the most significant thing to come out of uh, this run of games is a couple of injuries. You did mention before we haven't really rotated a whole lot of the side in these games, which is a little bit surprising when you're playing every three or four days. Um, I guess most significantly it's the injuries to Elder and Kingsley. Kingsley picking up his injury against QPR um, means I would guess maybe Fleming comes into the side or I think the other alternative kind of suggestion He's could be Lee Hyatt left Lee back. Lee Hyatt is switching. Yeah, and, and then, then Pennington in at the right. Pennington at right, yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I, I think that's probably the most concerning element. I think Magenis has also suffered a setback on his recovery, so Eves really is our only striker at the moment. I don't know what's happened to Bullock. I think he's 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 one of those players. I think he's just going to... He's just got this sort of Ill, uh, injury that is just this lengthy injury no one really knows a whole lot about. He's hasn't really been in the side much at all so you kind of can't really rely on him too much to do much but um 
It's a little bit concerning that we've picked up these injuries. I know the, sh- the transfer window opens in a couple of days, or I think it opens tomorrow even. Um, so whether we're active, whether we try and bring a few in, um, what, what do you make of the injuries and, and, and the impact that could have on the side? Um, the injuries, I just wonder, if do they have to... Do, do, are they not allowed to use whistles at training to keep Kingsley fit on the training park? Because it seems every time he gets a match and the whistle blows, he's down <laughs> injured. So... Um, yeah. He it he's he's had a horrendous run of form um, in terms of injuries for us. I think he was um, in tears when he went off because it's it's you know he's been out of the side with Elder playing so well. Then Elder goes down, so yeah. he gets his chance, and then he goes down injured. Yeah, um, it would surprise me because just I mean almost every time he's played, apart from I think right at the beginning of the season, he got a few games in a row. But apart from that, it's sort of been he was he come he'd get injured and he'd be out for a few weeks. And Fleming would play a couple of games, and then Kingsley would come back in, and then he'd get injured again, and it was and just again and again and again. Um, he's he's very readily approaching, or if he has not already gained that uh, injury-prone uh, tag, which could be um, fairly detrimental to the remainder of his career, to be honest. Um, but oh, I don't know. I guess I mean injuries come. And um, it's sort of it's just a part of of the game, and I think it's about whether we, you know, whether we are prepared enough with our squad depth um, to to accommodate for um, for those issues as they arise, um, which is our um, eternal question every time we start a season, and uh, we either have minimal or weird investment from the Alums, but um, I don't. <laughs> I don't think we're in a terrible position. I think that, I mean, the, the, that back line does like, concern me a little bit, but I think the uh, in terms of uh, with attacking players, I think because we've got um, that other young kid from Wigan, um, was it James Berry? Yeah, I saw him. I think who, he was on the bench against QPR. Did he, did yeah, he he's on, on the bench. I don't re- remember. I'm not sure. I don't think he did, but... Um, but it's good to see those younger guys getting a chance to come into the squad and, and potentially yeah, have an impact. Um, He's a, as far as I know, he's a pretty well-rated um, young player. So you've, there are still plenty of um, options around. Uh, no, he didn't come on. Uh, no. Um, all right. Um, right. Where was I? But yeah, looks. So, I mean, I, I think I think we do need to bring in maybe one or two. I think certainly up top to have another option to to give Eves a bit of competition if um, Magennis isn't going to be fit. Um, I wonder. I wonder if someone like a Pennington might want to go back to Everton. I know McLaughlin's just come back from his loan spell up in Scotland. Whether he's sort of seen as um, in a way a replacement for Pennington with McLaughlin now sort of filling that that role of sitting on the bench. Um, I would have thought we'd probably want to give him a bit more development whether we send him out on loan again. Um, but I think I think certainly in attacks where we probably need a bit of a reinforcement, I think Bowler's looked really good when he's come into the side, so I'd love to see him get more of an opportunity, whether that means you know you almost push Bowen into the centre and, and play Bowler on the right. Um, I think Bowen's at his most effective on the right, so it's it's a bit of a tough one to call there. Um, but, but yeah, look, I think it's almost just a, a case of just needing a few more bodies. Um, I know there was talk that we're looking to bolster the midfield and attack. I, I sort of wonder, midfield seems to be pretty well stopped. I guess with Stewart out injured, that doesn't really help matters too much. And I guess Henriksen, Henriksen's going to leave. Um, 
I just, I, I don't know. It, I think, you know, our wide options are probably where we'd probably need to stock up a bit more. I, I still don't, I, I can't believe that Lehigh has been as injury-free as he has been at his age, um, considering we don't really have a backup right back. That was my main concern coming into the season. Um, and it hasn't really been exploited yet. But if Lehigh goes down injured, knock on wood, tomorrow morning, um, then we have, no, we have no senior fullbacks left, basically. So uh, mm. <clears throat> that would be my main main concern for reinforcements but what do you think um i know i've seen recently that we've been uh linked with malik wilkes again i believe <laughs> um so which is uh interesting because it was only f- like four months ago that he uh declined you know to join us and, and join someone else so uh interesting that we've been relinked with with him again but um yeah i think in terms of um, personnel, I, yeah, the, the Lehigh is concerning. Um, if something were to happen to him, um, hopefully uh, he's just you know taking care of himself and and knows what how to manage his own body pretty well. So um, whatever's been working, hopefully he it can continue. But I think you're right in terms of the forwards, probably um, yeah, probably one or two there. Um, because yeah, I think when you, we, we, you mentioned Balock, and and uh, we obviously can't really rely on him. He was, I mean, he was always an unknown quantity. Um, he came in for a few weeks trial and showed enough, I suppose. So they they picked him up. But um, yeah, I think um, I think you're right with Bowler. He has looked good. He was a bit slow to get started, but he's. Um, I think when those when Bowen Grzycki and Bowen play in that really fluid front three, um, we are particularly um, damaging and effective. Um, so, but um, and I guess the yeah, other I concern think, I think yeah. Lewis Potter's also had a bit of an injury concern as well because I was just thinking he he's a good option to have up top um, because he's looked so damaging when he's come on, but uh, he seems to have some sort of mystery illness as well. So so I think there's a few issues around the fitness of players at the moment yeah i think and i i would have to just assume that some of that is going to come just from the amount of games that people are playing at the moment um you know i, I sort of mentioned it before that we playing you know five we had five games in what was it maybe two weeks um probably something like that with not a huge amount of rotation for players um so it's uh it's always challenging this is always this, this this period that we've just got through, um, and and it's still probably a little to come. Um, it's still a little bit busy at the beginning of January, I think. But uh, this is the period of that can really make or break your season, and how on how well you can get through that. Um, so I think we're we're in a, we're in a good position. I think if, if we one or two early smart pieces of business um, hold on to all our players, um, and we will give ourselves a real good ch- chance at. Um, pushing into those promotion um, spots, um, you know, oh playoff spots, sorry, and you know, hopefully we'll we're coming into the season, we'll be only a few games away from the Premier League. Yeah, and look, I'll, I'll remain a little bit skeptical that McGann saying that we're uh, planning. I think we've heard that a few times, and it hasn't really manifested, but. Uh, it does sound like we've put a few bids in for players, so I guess we'll see what happens on that front. And I guess um, I guess I'll treat it as a wait and see. Um, we'll see see what happens with with transfers. Um, we've got a pretty big game tomorrow morning against Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, last time we played them, we came away with a one nil win thanks to an Eves header, which was a fantastic goal um, scored by him. Um, 
they, they've had a bit of mixed form. They, they've lost to Cardiff and Stoke in their last two, which weren't, weren't fantastic results for them. But before that, they'd beaten Bristol City and then smashed Forest 4-0. So, um, you know, like we are talking about before, the inconsistent form of the championship, it's very hard to get a read on, on how they're looking. I think they were third when they were facing Stoke, so then they've now dropped down to sixth. So, um, you know, their, their grip on the playoff places is, is pretty tenuous at the moment as well. Um, but like we said before, they're only three points ahead of us. Uh, so it's a... Uh, it's a very congested top, well, 6th to 12th, really. I mean, three points separating us in 12th from Chef Wednesday in 6th. And then even you look ahead of them to Brentford and Forest in 4th and 5th on 40 points. So uh, it's still all to play for uh, for all of those sides um, with half a season to go. Um, we've already sort of touched on the injury concerns. Um, coming off the win against QPR, I guess we're going to sort of try and build on that, but it might be a little bit difficult if we're having to make a few personnel changes. Um, would you, I mean, you sort of alluded to it before, would you probably just switch Lehigh to left back, bring Pennington in and, and try and keep it consistent other than that? I think that'll, I think that's probably what will happen. I think the concern is if we don't, and I know we shouldn't be making the decisions based on uh, individual players or whatever, but I know, I, or I read months ago that Pennington was frustrated and wanted yeah. to go back to Everton. Um so if we don't take the opportunity, like he's he, he's a senior player, he's in a position to actually play some games um, now. It's probably better um, to keep him, try and keep him, you know, happy enough and around, um, because if he if if he you know, and and Everton decide to to end that loan agreement early. Um, then we're just another player down. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and so. like you said, I mean, it's it's sort of like a very easy win to include him in the side. Um, it's not really, um, you know, in a way, it's it's almost a better option than playing Fleming at left back. No disrespect to Fleming, but he, he's a kid. As you say, Pennington's an established senior player. Uh, it seems a very easy win to keep him happy now that he has that opportunity to fit into the side. Um so I think I think surely that'll be the way that we go against Jeff Wednesday. What, what, what's your feelings on the game in general, though? Are you sort of are you confident that we can get something out of this one? I know we tend to play a little bit better against these sides, although that recent loss to Forest kind of runs counter to that. Um, do, do you see it as a, as a winnable fixture? Um, I absolutely see it as winnable. Um, I think it's it's just sort of it's there's just that same story of sort of which mm. um which Hull City team um walks out onto the pitch um tomorrow morning um i really think i think we'll have a we'll have a ready hot go and if we're you know if we can start well early um and and just be moving the ball around well then i think um we'll be able to um to get some points um i i reckon three's um definitely achievable one is a minimum I'd be I'd be fairly disappointed if we took nothing from the game um, because it would sort of just represent that or continue to represent that every time we sort of seem like we're making pro- it's like a two steps forward yeah. one step back situation and we go oh we're only three points off the six and then all of a sudden we're six points off again and um, so I, I'd be disappointed if we didn't take any points um, so but I think um, I think I think it's winnable. Um, I think well, especially time, with their form in the last couple of games, I mm. guess we should take some confidence out of that and sort of see them as a pretty vulnerable side that we can we can run at and 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 try to put on the back foot. Yeah, and I think last the last time we last time we played them, I feel like we didn't even play. I don't think we played great. Um, 
I think that we had some chances, they had some chances, um, but that um, that Ease's goal was was really good. But I think I was actually looking just before. I think um, Sheffield Sheffield have a couple of players out. I think um, Westwood's out and Forestieri's out. Um, so there are a couple of big names um, that uh, that we you know if if they are indeed out that we should be looking to take advantage of that. Um, you know. Hit, get them while they're down, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then we've got another big game on the weekend. It's our first FA Cup game of the season against Rotherham. It was really unfortunate. We looked like we were going to be playing a solo hull, you know, non-league side, ground tick for all the local supporters. 3-0 up against Rotherham with about 75 minutes gone, I think. And then a uh, pretty remarkable comeback from Rotherham to win that game 4-3. Uh, to, sort of, to, to break hull hearts. I think even the uh, the official Twitter account was sort of tweeting out about getting excited about going to Solihull and, and it didn't really come to fruition. But uh, a big game against Rotherham, sort of a sort of a derby game, I guess. Um, played them a little bit in the championship in recent seasons. Uh, I think we've won three of the last six games against them, so we can take some winning form against them, winning confidence, I guess, against them. Um, I guess with the injuries, you sort of look at it as a chance to fully rotate the side and give everyone a rest after the, the busy Christmas period. Um, but we can look at the Tranmere game in the League Cup and say, well, look, you know, even if we do rotate the full eleven, we, we we're every chance of coming away with a win against a lower league side. Um, do do you sort of see it as a as a game that we'd want to sort of? Um, I mean, you always want to go out and win football games. Is it a game that you have high on the priority list to win, or are you not really bothered about the result? Um, look, I think we've had a lot of um, got a lot of good fond memories of the of the FA Cup, but um, look, it's not. I don't think it should be high on our priorities, um, but I don't think we should take it lightly either. I think we just take it as it comes. Um, we have to. We've got to do what's best for the squad, and if that means that we rotate and we play a lot of young guys and, and give them a taste of you know potentially what it's like to play against um, you know some some men instead of instead of the boys, mm. then. Um, you know, perhaps that's um, you know, and as you say, like we did that at Tranmere and and um, came out with the win. So uh, I, I I'd say suggest we'd be rotating pretty heavily for the Rotherham the cup cup match. Um, but I still don't think I think we've seen with the integration of some of those young guys into our um, first team that you know we've got a lot of quality still in, in those young players. Yeah. Um, I mean, you even talk about you, you mentioned Sean McLaughlin's just come back from. Um, just returned from his loan, you know, maybe he gets a gets a run on on Saturday at, at Rotherham, you know. Yeah, that's um, a really good point. It gives him a good chance to to integrate with the team without, you know, being a being a league fixture. Um, it's a bit of a lower intensity game for him. Yeah, so um, you know, I think, I've, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a cup match. We'll <laughs> we'll play. We'll either win or we'll lose. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm, it's, I'm, it's, I'm not going to lose any sleep um, on a loss um, in, in the FA Cup. I'm more concerned with, I mean, at, the, at this stage, with where we are in the league and how we're going at the moment and the players that we've got and, and the time of year it is. I think there's we've got bigger fish to fry. Mm. We've got to make sure that we keep a hold of those key players. We've got to try and keep building on this and, and, and you know, edging closer to, to those playoff positions. Um, you know, and and just trying to build a foundation for the second half of this this season, so that we can get ourselves in a position, um, the best position that we possibly can, to be fighting um, for for the Premier League next for next season. 
And, and, and just before we move on, I think the Rotherham game has been selected for television over in the UK, but it's oddly not on the ESPN schedule over here, so I, I don't know if it's televised here. I don't know if it's on KO or whatever it might be on. Um, but might keep an eye out for that one to see if we can watch that one over here. It's a you know blockbuster, glamorous tie, Hull City against Rotherham, <laughs> but for whatever reason, it's uh, being televised, I think. So it's an interesting one. Um, we'll, we'll just finish off then, just before we, we sign off for the, for the episode, uh, with our typical football flashback of the week. Uh, and I've selected a New Year's Day fixture from a couple of years ago, back in the Premier League, second season under Steve Bruce, where we knocked off Everton 2-0. Goals coming from El Mahamedy and Jelovic against his former club both scored within about five minutes of each other, I think. Um, it, it, it was a. I, I have vague memories of the win only because um, my best mate's an Everton supporter, and I think it's one of the only times that we've actually knocked off Everton um, in in the Premier League, really, in recent years when, when we've watched games together. So, got a lot of joy out of it for that reason. Um, and, you know, looking at the the, the uh, fixture results around that game. I think it was only our second win in 13 games that season, which is pretty depressing when you consider the, the optimism and the, the the hope surrounding the start of that season with our European matches and you know our, you know expensively assembled squad. To to only win two games in 13 around that middle period of the year was pretty remarkable. Um, but the other remarkable thing about this game was it was actually our first ever win in January in the Premier League which is a pretty odd stat, but when you think we'd been in the Premier League for three seasons prior to this one, to not have won a single, Premier, not won a single Premier League game in January before this one was uh, was pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, it was... Um, I'm, sh- I'm actually almost certain that I did actually watch this game, so that's a nice change. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of the flashbacks we do, they're just before I've, I've started, but no... Um, no, it was that was yeah that was that that wouldn't have been because didn't was Yelovich didn't end up staying for that long, did he? No, so this would uh, have been was so it, he he signed the previous January, so the first season we were in the Premier League, he signed from Everton. Yeah. This was the second season where he was basically we had Hernandez, we had uh, I think yeah. Doy signed that January as well, but Yelovich was really the main striker. I think he was our top scorer for the season. Yeah. He then scored a penalty, I want to say, against Wolves or someone the following season in the championship before he joined uh, He joined West Ham, I think, from there. Just a little bit weird. I, I can't even remember him being a West Ham player, but that did happen. And then I think he went off to China. Uh, I don't yeah, know if he's still right. there, actually. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but, yeah, right. Um, no, it was... Uh... Uh, yeah, some inter- just some interesting numbers that you'd like to point out. That, that was the fir- first, you know, Premier League January win, and um, yeah, just to be at that point second, only two wins in thirteen. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's just it's crazy, crazy, crazy numbers, and to just think um, from there. I mean, it's we've been up and down, you know, through from the Premier League and Championship, but I think. Um, I think we've we've as a club we've come a long way from there just as a, as a whole. So it's um, but no, I think just to like El Mahamadi obviously was was a great servant for the club and and um, I think yeah I was probably I think that goal was his first goal for the season and it was a header which um you, you, he, I think he did score a couple of headers for us which is funny because he's such a I guess he's not a particularly tall player and, he, and because yeah. he always plays on the wing you wouldn't necessarily think of him coming in for a header but um, 
I think it was a pretty well-taken goal from the time. I think it was assisted by Rossini as well, so it was great to see some pretty familiar names in that side that day, um, sort of making up the squad. But um, I think so. I think it's on the topic of Everton, um, my friend mentioned that I think Baines and Coleman started the first game of the decade and the last game of the decade for Everton. So I was sort of thinking about the whole players of, of the potential equivalents, and it's pretty remarkable to think that not once but twice. I would say maybe even three times, really. We've had a complete renewal of the team. You look at the team that would have started in 2010 would have been, you know, your, your Ashby's, your Andy Dawson, your Mai Hill, uh, your Giovanni, those sorts of guys. Then by about 2015, you had your Yelovich, your McGregor, your El Mohamedy, your Curtis Davies, Huddleston's. And now 2019, 2020, you have your Irvine's, your Bowen, you're long, you're everyone, you know, it's changed mm. so much. And, and I don't think there'd be many teams in England that have had that amount of renewal or change in the squad that that significantly over the decade. Because I guess we, more than a lot of teams, have bounced between the Premier League and the Championship. And I guess those two divisions have the biggest golf almost, I guess, Championship League one maybe as well. But Premier League to, to Championship have such a big golf in terms of uh, finances that you're almost forced to sell your complete squad if you're not able to go up within a year or so. So um, it's pretty crazy to think if you were looking at the decade as a whole, how the squad's changed so much since the start of the decade. Yeah, it's crazy. But I think with the on that something of finance and stuff, I think didn't wasn't we were one of only a few clubs even post parachute payments mm. to have recorded a profit didn't we or yeah, like a, I think not a profit profit but yeah like a we, we, we had, the, we had a, net, profit, a net profit or something. yeah I think we had a profit <laughs> with parachute payments and I have a feeling we might have made a very small profit potentially after player sales um, yeah. last year or the year before um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens because I think this is the first full year without parachute payments yeah. to see what our finances do but Certainly, I think we're in a much stronger financial position than a lot of sides in the division because of our wage bill and the way we've got our wages yeah. structured. Because you look at so many clubs who are spending more on wages than they're actually earning as a, as a total figure. So you think that's just on wages, let alone all their other operating expenses. Yeah. Um, I, I just I, you know, give it a couple of years. And the next Premier League rights deal is going to be really interesting as well. I mean, we're going a little bit off topic here, but the, the next Premier League rights deal is going to be really interesting because I can't see the money significantly increasing, and if anything, it probably decreases. And there's so many clubs, you know, you've got Uniteds and Liverpools who have the sponsorship money and everything else supporting them as well, but a lot of those clubs, like your West Ham, your, um, uh, I don't know, Newcastle perhaps, and your Southamptons or whoever, who are really relying on the TV money to, to prop them up, if that money then disappears, uh, financially they're in a whole lot of trouble. And then you look f- further down at the championship, a lot of those clubs are gambling on getting to the Premier League and putting a whole lot of money in debt into the club that if they can't then get that recouped in the Premier League, it leaves them in a pretty concerning position as well. And you've seen how close Bolton came to liquidation. You see what happened at Bury. Macclesfield's going through issues as well down in League 2. So it's a really concerning place to be in. And as much as we want to sneer and scoff at the Alums saying how we're the best-run club in the country, which we're quite evidently not, we're still in a very financially secure position, at least, you know, sort of pending what these financials show now that we don't have the parachutes. But we seem to be in a much more secure financial position than a lot of other clubs. Yeah, um, I think... I, I mean, I think that's... 
what we've I think we've we've come to realize I guess over the over the time we've been doing the podcast and just been at it, you know, discuss some of these issues is that uh, the as a whole what what we've experienced as the alums hasn't maybe been as bad as what it first appears you know the, those those first impressions of this of the situations have have often overridden um what we now you know what what we've come to realize and it's been a bit of um a little bit of sensational uh sensationalism in in, in some regards with some aspects and some things have been made into bigger deals and what what they are but yeah. i think overall you know we've got a we've got a we've got a um we've got a a football club that's got a reasonable squad it it um you know the they are the the owners are now working to re to re-engage with the fans that's and, it. and you that, know resolve the these issues now, so yeah. that so um, I, I think i think it's, it's always going to be very it's going to be a very emotional issue for a lot of people and 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 I'm I'm careful not to say that people are wrong for the, having the opinions that they have of the owners because everyone's obviously been impacted in different ways and therefore has different opinions of them and they're perfectly entitled to that. But I think in terms of the um, the the perception of them as as being such horrible owners, I think they've made huge strides this season to turn that around. I know for some people it's never going to change. It's never they're never going to be forgiven and. Look, you kind of have to say fair enough if that's if that's their attitude. But um, I feel much more confident in the future of the club off the field than I would if I was, say, a Derby fan. And you look at you look at the amount of money that's gone into that club, and and they're really struggling in the table at the moment. Um, that if they, I think I think recently the owner basically sold the ground to himself to get around issues with uh, with financial fair play. Um, they don't really have any more tricks left. If they still have a few more issues in in a couple of years, um, they could be running into a heap of trouble. Yeah, actually, I on Derby, I saw them just. I looked at the table the other day and saw how low they were, yeah. and thought, wow, because they'd spent a lot of money, um, and, and you know, only in the last couple of years. Just in in they made they spend that money to make that premiership push. Just mm. what you were talking about just moments ago. Um, and you see what happens when it doesn't work when they when they don't quite get there. And they've invested all that money. Um, it's it can all go it can all go sideways. Um, but I think the other thing, and like what you're saying, is you, you're careful not to to criticise anyone on their opinions or whatever. Is the other thing is, from my perspective, I'm on the you know I'm on the other side of the world from from the city, and I don't really understand. I don't really know what the feeling is. Yeah. Um, you know, there's people that have lived in Hull their whole lives who have been following this club their whole lives. Um, and I'm not going to say that that you know, as you as you said, that their opinions are, are are invalid or that they're wrong. You know, they probably have a better understanding, if anything, a better understanding of what's going on there than I do from the other side of the world. You know, reading Hull Daily Mail, but um, yeah, so it's just I, it's just our perception and how we can see it all with, with that sort of layer removed. Where you know, we watch the games at two a.m. on TV. We're, we're not in the stand. We're not around the city before and after games either. But um, I'd love to get back there. It was, it's always a great experience. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, we've got two great games to look forward to this weekend, and, and hopefully, we can win both of them. So, thank yeah, you. For, so. Yeah, thank you for joining me today, Dan. No worries. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Hope you've all had a very happy and restful festive period. Uh, and we'll be back this time next week to discuss Hull City's next couple of games. So, until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. 
For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back.